Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The pandemic changed everything, and you can see it in the modern downtown core, whether it be a big city like San Francisco or a small one like Palo Alto. Commutes change, schedules change, the phrase indoor dining became something everyone says. But now that we're staring down year three of public health interventions, some cities are trying to return to normal. Today, we'll zoom in on the battle over downtown Palo Alto's closed streets, which raise big questions about how to sort the winners and losers when we shift from the status quo. And then we'll continue our series on refugees with a look at how the local Afghan community is organizing to help their friends and families resettle. That's all next on Forum after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Next month, Palo Alto officials plan to reopen University Avenue and some other streets that had been closed to car traffic during the pandemic. Some retailers say turning streets into outdoor dining areas has hurt their businesses by reducing parking and covering up storefronts. Meanwhile, many equally desperate restaurant owners, especially those who invested in furniture and heat lamps and parklets, want to keep streets closed to continue serving customers outside. Various cities are facing similar dilemmas about whether to reopen streets and how best to support local businesses. And at the heart of it all is a new and different kind of conversation about what a city should look like. When the pandemic hit, all these new possibilities for public space opened up without the endless local political maneuvering that would have normally accompanied any changes of this scale. But now the question has become, what crisis-born urban transformation should be made permanent and whose priorities should hold sway? Joining us first are Palo Alto Mayor Tom Dubois. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alexis. Great to be here this morning. Thank you, Mayor. As well as Benjamin Grant, an urban design consultant who's the former urban design policy director for SPUR, a regional planning and research group. Welcome, Benjamin. Good morning. So, Mayor Dubois, uh, for people who haven't been following the situation in Palo Alto, can you kind of bring us up to speed on your pandemic response for local businesses in Palo Alto in the spring? And, you know, what are the decisions that you now face? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, all, all through the pandemic, we, the city has had a number of initiatives to help support our businesses. You know, in addition to the national loans and grants, we actually funded a local grant program. And we've been doing what many cities have been doing in terms of uh, marketing or encouraging use of our local businesses. And then uh, starting this spring, we actually started to have a number of events uh, to really encourage people. We actually have kind of two downtowns, the, the one on University Avenue and also on California Avenue. And we had a, a month of music in, in um, June, 
And then we just recently had a week of jazz music outdoors in both of those locations. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, go ahead. How, how do you see the street closure sort of playing into that plan? Well, um, you know, so just to be clear, so a couple of weeks ago on September 13th, we did vote to reopen to cars on October 15th, just one, one of the three streets that we closed, mm -hmm, and that, mm -hmm. that's University Avenue. But we also extended the closure of the two other streets. And um, we're also extending our parklet program. And we're funded a street redesign on university, which is going to be a bit longer term, but really looking at how, can we widen the sidewalks and, and improve the pedestrian experience um, while still having the cars uh, be able to use the street. And how did you see sort of balancing the competing kind of local interests? Like, who, what, what did you see? Like, what were you trying to optimize for in making this sort of complex decision? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a difficult decision. We, we've been having monthly meetings with our business community to, to really see how we could help them. And um, part, part of what we heard um, was not a lot of disagreement on California Avenue and, and Ramona Street, the other street that's closed. Uh, but there was a lot of disagreement on university. Um, the restaurants that there were about 10 restaurants that were benefiting from the closure. They wanted to keep it. Um, but restaurants elsewhere downtown and many of the retailers were asking that we reopen it. And um, we also had a lot of discussion about the upcoming holiday shopping season, which can be the bulk of sales for retailers. And, you know, another factor was that Stanford uh, University re fully reopened last week. And University Avenue is kind of the main entrance to the university. Yeah. Benjamin Grant, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. You know, how do you see these street closures? Because, you know, I mean, m many Bay Area cities, I mean, Alameda, Burlingame, Emeryville, Foster City, Oakland, Redwood, San Francisco, of course, many different places um, closed streets during this time. How do you see all of that within the sort of long sweep of kind of urban change? Yeah, well, uh, first, I think it's very important to acknowledge that this is an incredibly difficult time for small businesses and for cities uh, and for city governments who are trying to, you know, support, um, you know, their local businesses and balance a variety of interests. Um, with that said, I did want to maybe situate this in, in some broader context. First of all, just a word about vocabulary. We talk a lot about closing streets, but of course, what, when we're closing streets to one set of activities, we're also opening them to another. So I just want to sort of name sure. that from the beginning, not to confuse the vocabulary. We could talk about closing them to traffic and reopening them to traffic. Um, but it is also about deploying the space for other activities that we may want in our cities. And more broadly, we can really, if we look back at the history of the street and the city in the 20th century, we really spent the better part of a century um, building streets around the idea that they serve one function, right, which is the movement and storage of cars. Mm -hmm. um, and there has been in recent decades uh, an attempt to uh, really reckon with that and try to rebalance our streets in, in favor of the broader set of activities that, that streets um, can host, and that, that includes streets as public space, streets as community space, streets as healthy, walkable settings, um, as well as spaces for commerce and business activity. 
And, um, and so this has been happening, not just in the Bay Area or even the United States, but around the world um, in places like Bogota with their Ciclovia program, opening streets to cycling, um, in, in Barcelona with the Superblocks program, which has been giving city streets back to community uses. Um, and then actually San Francisco has been a very, in the Bay Area, has been a very important kind of center of this innovation, starting with the, uh, the parking day art installation that reconceived of, of um, metered parking spaces as open space, which led to the invention of the parklet, which is now a very familiar uh, kind of feature of, of experimenting the streets. And then in that context, you have the arrival of the COVID crisis. And uh, there's a famous quote from Milton Friedman, which is that the response to a crisis really depends on the ideas you happen to have lying around. And so this crisis came to us at a moment when we had a whole new set of tools, including parklets, including uh, different ways of reimagining the street space, mm-hmm. and including the idea of doing things on a temporary and reversible basis. We were lucky that those uh, those tools and ideas were available to us, and they were pressed into service very quickly by cities all over the Bay Area and all over the country uh, to uh, very quickly transform streets in ways that can support local businesses. And of course, it's there's no question that this is much uh, a much better fit for food and beverage and restaurants and so forth, and a much trickier proposition for other kinds of retail which are facing a broader crisis as well. So that's kind of the, the, the background. It's important to understand this in that bigger context. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, that street rebalancing effort that you're talking about was pretty tough sledding before the pandemic. Like if you had tried to get something like one of these programs through pre-COVID-19, would have faced a ton of opposition. And then almost overnight, it became something that was possible to do. Um, I want to just invite our listeners into the conversation. Are you a Palo Alto resident or business owner? What do you think of the decision to reopen streets that had previously been closed to car traffic? How have these street changes affected your city? And what are your thoughts about that? And how has the pandemic even just altered the way you think about the design of streets in kind of all public spaces? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Um, we have a uh, comment from a listener already. Diego tweets um, to Mayor Du Bois, why not expand the vision for a car-free California Avenue corridor? In the past, we've had a glimpse of how, could, how good it could be. Why not learn from Milan, Paris, and Boulder and embrace the power of purposeful public spaces? Well, you mentioned California Avenue, which uh, that street basically dead ends into the California Avenue Caltrain station. And we have, we have kept that section closed and we've extended that for another year. So I think we are very interested in exploring kind of how we can redesign that street. And, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, considering the locations are really important and that, like I said, that was one of the factors on university and that it, it really is uh, almost an arterial into Stanford university, but these other areas we closed, I think really led themselves more to remaining closed. I want to bring in Vibhu Norby into the conversation. He's the founder and CEO of Beta, a retail-as-a-service company uh, with nine stores, including one in downtown Palo Alto. Welcome to the show. 
Great to be here. So, Vibu, from your perspective, can you just, like, what did this look like to you, from your perspective as a business owner right there in downtown Palo Alto? We were really struggling with our University Avenue location this year. Obviously, pandemic had a huge impact on store traffic across the country. Um, but we did see a recovery in most locations starting uh, around March or April this year, uh, everywhere except for Palo Alto. And so we started looking into the issue and uh, observing how traffic flowed through the street. And it was pretty clear to us that some of the changes that were made to, to downtown uh, were having a negative impact on the visibility of the, of the store and, and the sort of walk-in traffic that would normally uh, discover the, the location as they walk by it. And, you know, how can you separate out what's causing this, like, fall in traffic? Could it just be that there aren't as many people circulating through downtown Palo Alto in general, regardless of the street closure? Uh, I, that that could be true, but I think one just needs to stand by the store and, and watch how people behave uh, today. The traffic flows like a river, and when there's a big corridor that's opened right in the middle of the street, and there's parklets that are sort of inserted between the sidewalks, uh, the vast majority of people prefer to walk down the, the larger space. And so I think the visibility is just not there. Um, and, you know, I, I, it, it is hard, but again, I can only rely on the fact that we had a recovery in oh, every other location of ours, and, and we didn't there. Uh, so that's our, our best guess as to why. We're talking about debates over reopening streets closed to car traffic during the pandemic with Vibu Norby, founder and CEO of Beta, a retail store, the, a retail chain with nine stores, including one in downtown Palo Alto. Tom Du Bois, the mayor of Palo Alto. Benjamin Grant, urban design consultant, former urban design policy director for Spur. And after the break, we'll have Misty Bolton, owner and CEO of Oren's Hummus, which is so, so good. It's an Israeli restaurant with six Bay Area locations and a packaged food maker based in Palo Alto to talk about what it's been like for a restaurant owner in downtown Palo Alto. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about debates over reopening streets closed to car traffic during the pandemic. And we're joined by the mayor of Palo Alto, Tom Du Bois, Benjamin Grant, who's an urban design consultant, Vibu Norby, founder and CEO of Beta, a retail chain with nine stores, including one in downtown Palo Alto. And we will now be joined by Misty Bolton, owner and CEO of Oren's Hummus, an Israeli restaurant with six Bay Area locations and a packaged food maker that's based in Palo Alto. Welcome to the show, Misty. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, thank you for your hummus. It is really good. Um, uh, Tell us what it's been like for you as a restaurant owner during COVID times. Well, as you mentioned, we have six restaurants in the Bay Area. Um, It's definitely been a struggle. I'm sure that, you know, many restaurants are feeling the pain. 
Um, Palo Alto, you know, we've been very fortunate to have the streets closed. That's really helped um, in the cities that we, we do have the open streets. It's just, it's been so wonderful. We just have so many people walking in the streets, you know, wanting to be out. A lot of people still don't want to dine in. So it's, you know, we've, we've been thankful for that and very disappointed that come October 15th, that's going to change for Palo Alto. So how have you been organizing to try to keep the street in its kind of current configuration? Well, there's a group, probably about 20, 20 or so restaurant owners and businesses and residents that join a Friday Every Friday at 11 a.m., we get together, we speak about how we can, you know, um, speak with the city, bring people together to say this is something that everybody in the area really wants to see continue. Um, We've had 5,000 residents who've spoken up saying, please keep it walkable, we really want these streets to be closed. Um, And so we've continued to do that, we continue to fight, but unfortunately the city has come back to say, at least for university at this time, that October 15th is our reopening of the street. Yeah. Tom Dubois, mayor of Palo Alto, how do you balance? You've got your local business community. We have two members of that business community on the line right now, obviously with different perspectives on what they'd like to have happen with the street. But how do you incorporate the broader citizen input and the broader sense of like what the city is supposed to be, not just sort of narrowly like within uh, the, the business community? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, again, a lot of the restaurants, I think, had apps at their tables, which would let people email the council. So we got a lot of emails of people enjoying eating outdoors, and I enjoy it myself. But, you know, again, after listening to the businesses, uh, I really felt like it was a question of equity and fairness. I think early on, a lot of the retailers were very supportive of the restaurants. But as time passed, they started asking when it would be their turn. And... You know, this we're talking about 10 restaurants out of about 200 in our city that were benefiting um, from using the public street. You know, and those restaurants can still have parklets. Uh, and some of them, uh, again, had pretty small space in terms of square footage. I, I think Orange Hummus is a good example. There was, uh, there's Cafe Venetia, which is a coffee shop that really had expanded mm-hmm. out into the street. Um, and again, I, I want to come back to the street redesign, which I think the Celtic cities can really look at that a, a lot of the restaurant usage is happening in the evening and on the weekends. And, and part of that redesign is the ability to open and close the street very cost effectively. So we, we, we will be looking potentially at closing the university on weekends, for example. Yeah. I want to uh, go to some callers because we've got a bunch coming in. Neil from Palo Alto. Welcome to the show. Actually, Neil with Max Smoke Shop. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So um, I would love to see university open back up. Uh, Max Smoke Shop's been there since 1934 in the same location. And I have to admit, I want to support all our uh, neighboring restaurants. And and like, like we said, when they're busy, we're busy. And we just would love to see the flow of university where all our restaurants can have customers come through so they can join our little place and, and see the uh, iconic store that we have. Yeah. How has it been for you, the pandemic? Oh, my God. This, this, this is, these last two years has been the hardest. Uh, our owner pretty much has been out of pocket keeping the store open mm-hmm. just because she just loves to shop. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry to hear that, Neil. All right, let's go to uh, Nancy in Palo Alto. Welcome Hi. to the show, Nancy. Hey. 
Hi, I appreciate the conversation. I frequent Palo Alto um, downtown uh, often, and I just think they're approaching it from the wrong direction, that having the university closed um, is a wonderful thing, and I think it encourages and would encourage more pedestrian traffic and bicycling, and I think it should stay closed as a pedestrian mall. And anybody, any businesses that are losing business, it's it's because maybe their businesses just, um, you know, they're not getting traffic because other, you know, big companies are shut down. The university was shut down. There's just less people, were less people um, coming into Palo Alto in general. Uh, but I think, you know, long-term having a pedestrian mall would, would benefit the community and, and businesses that are viable. It may be that some businesses just aren't attracting customers now because they weren't, they haven't stayed relevant. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, they need to go out of business. Maybe they need to adapt, but I think more foot traffic uh, would be better. And University Avenue is basically a thoroughfare to get to 101. Saying that keeping University Avenue open to traffic is going to bring in more business, I think is just not true. Most people who are, go, you know, cruising paths, they're not going to stop. But the residents who walk and bike surely are going to bring more business to downtown when it's more vibrant and more family friendly. And you can, you know, I, I just it doesn't appeal to me to be eating on a sidewalk with cars whizzing by. Okay. So, Dan- that's, yeah. That's my Thank you for that, Nancy. Vipu Norbuyi, I'd like you to get a chance to respond to this, too. Can you imagine a redesign of the street that would be closed to car traffic, but that would somehow maintain some of the elements already? Like, is there actually middle ground here, or is this really truly a zero-sum game, you think? Oh, I've I've been public about I'm all for uh, closing the street long-term. I think there are a lot of models in other cities with... uh, I want to use the right words, close to cars. Uh, you know, Santa Monica uh, is a great example. They have a, a level corridor between uh, each side of the street. They have kiosks and entertainment running down the middle, which allows amazing visibility for, for all of the tenants that are uh, flanking the, the, uh, uh, that, that promenade there. So there, there are ways to do this. I think it was done hastily. I think the city agrees that there's a, a redesign that could uh, give us the best of both. Yep. Perlay, uh commenter, writes in to say, I understand University Avenue needs to be reopened. My suggestion is to remove all parking on University Avenue. Let restaurants use parking areas for outdoor sitting. Cars parked in front of stores look visually ugly and dead. People eating in the outdoor sitting area look vibrant and lively. And Benjamin Grant, our urban design consultant here in this conversation, uh, wanted to wanted, I, I, obviously people have brought up a lot of different suggestions. Um, t- talk to us. Like, what do you see in, in these various remarks? Yeah, well, I really appreciate what uh, Vibu was saying. And I think um, uh, the fact that we're now getting into the sort of nuts and bolts a little bit of different ways the street can be configured is really important because I think one of the key key ideas in what we call tactical urbanism, which is the idea of doing things kind of quickly and testing them on the ground, um, rather than spending 10 years arguing about it, 
um, is that you then uh, you then engage in an iterative process where you come back and you say what is working, what's not working, you know, who's winning, who's lo losing, how can we make it better? And I think that's the important thing we need to figure out, and that's the muscle that is a little less well developed on, um, from the standpoint of. Uh, city leadership and city staff, um, we're just figuring this out. And there's a conversation that's happening all over the Bay Area right now about what do we do next after we acted very quickly um, to, you know, do a lot of these street changes. Now, can we go back and tweak it? And that iterative function is extremely important. And I think you're, you're really seeing that right now. And I would just say to people that are very sympathetic to the idea of removing uh, cars and traffic from streets, you know, I'm obviously of that point of view as well, but it's very important to really listen and honor uh, the folks for whom that's really challenging and look at other ways to organize the street that can uh, make sure that all the businesses can thrive. You know, Benjamin, one thing that's really interesting about this debate is that it seems like almost like in miniature uh, a version of a problem that we're going to have on big things like climate change, where we know that maybe the economy should be restructured away from certain types of uh, of activity, but there will be losers there, right? And so Absolutely. what do what do we do in those situations? I mean, obviously, you come this happens with bike lanes and all kinds of other um, activities. Um, are there models for for doing this kind of broader decision making that isn't based on sort of narrow cost benefit kind of zero sum analysis, but that tries to incorporate these other societal goals? Yeah, well, it's important to, to sort of keep an idea of where you're trying to get as a whole society. You know, we're trying to get past carbon emissions. We're trying to get past cities that are dominated by cars. But um, we have to make those changes in a very conscious way and being being very thoughtful about uh, the challenges associated with them. And, I, you know, I, I, the, the term build back better has been thrown around quite a lot, but I actually think it's very valuable to understand that just because there are things about the interim condition that aren't perfect doesn't mean the answer is to go back to how it was, to go back to what's familiar. Rather, that iterative process of coming back and, and um, taking a look at how we can adjust um, but keeping our eye on the ball, the kinds of long-term changes we want to create. Um, and that very much, in my view, means understanding that cities are for people um, more than for, for vehicles and that our streets should reflect that. And that we know that urban businesses can thrive in areas without traffic going by. It's just we haven't done that for a while. Mm -hmm. So both uh, our businesses and our um, our sort of public culture, the way people shop, the way people are accustomed to moving through space. We've gotten in the habit of cruising down the street in our car and then looking for a parking space in front of the place we want to go to. Well, our urban businesses are never really going to compete with a mall for that. There's never going to be the same amount of parking. There's never going to be the same amount of convenience for vehicles. We need to, to um, work to our strengths, play to our strengths in cities, which is um, you know, dynamic, vital, welcoming, fun places to be out on foot among other people. But it takes a while to make those kinds of changes. Yeah. If Mr. I could oh. jump in on this, maybe. Sure. Um, I mean, Palo Alto. You know, we're we're a city of seventy thousand. Tom DeVoy's mayor of yeah. Palo Alto. Yeah. Thanks. We're a city of seventy thousand, but you know, our daytime population would double. And you know, I think we're moving from a pandemic situation to this really endemic situation where we're living with COVID. And for a city like Palo Alto, I think one big question is, will there be a fundamental shift in the economy? Uh, many of our restaurants relied on our daytime commuting population. And, and whether those people were coming in by train or bus or car, 
if more people start to telecommute permanently, you know, our local economy uh, is going to need to change. And we could be overbuilt in restaurants, for example, or, or those restaurants may need to pivot to serving the local community more uh, with maybe family style restaurants. And I think that's part of what we're struggling with here. By the way, I would just add that you can't separate the struggles in this context, the COVID context, from the broader struggles of retail. Um, sure. There's a big structural shift going on that it's not just about whether there are cars going by any particular business. It's also Amazon and the shifts in retail behavior, which have been tremendously challenging for retailers all over the country. Yeah, um, yeah Misty what... Bolton, can I, can I cut you guys out? I just want to give Misty Bolton a chance to jump back in before we go back to the phones. Misty, did you have any yeah. thoughts on, on – I wanted to get, specifically, I was curious about – how you see the criticism that you know your restaurant and other restaurants on university have been disproportionately benefiting from the closed street? It's closed to traffic street. Well, one of the one of the things I think is important is because we do have restaurants throughout the bay. One of the things that I've noticed, Los Gatos, Mountain View, for example, the streets are closed. There's a lot of retail that are bringing their, you know, if it's clothing or or something from their store, and they're bringing it out closer to the streets. And we're actually hearing, and I speak a lot with a lot of the retailers throughout Mountain View and Los Gatos, and the things that I'm hearing is that they're actually feeling that they're doing better with the streets that have been closed, because it's, it's giving the opportunity that families that are out with strollers, people that are walking out, it's becoming more walkable. It allows them to, maybe they're not going to the other areas that are closed because they want to be in these areas that are walkable. And they see these products, they see the things in the stores, they're coming out to the streets and it's actually really benefited for those stores. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think this is just about the restaurants. I really think that Having the streets open allows families to walk around, feel safe, bikes to be able to come through the streets comfortably, you know, allow just this more uniformed feeling of people being able to come together rather than being cramped on the sidewalk streets and seeing retail stores, seeing people coming out and bringing everything to to these people walking through the streets. I think one of the things I heard earlier is about how, you know, maybe the restaurants and the parklets are actually making it difficult for some of the retailers. I think it's really more important for us to come together and say, how do we as a community support one another to help the stores? How do we adjust to be able to support that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, Palo Alto is one of the cities that I just I kind of feel is like dying in a sense, because all of our other cities are doing a lot of festivals a lot of different kinds of art festivals or, you know, restaurant week, you know, different things that are coming and bringing the community together. It's one of the things I think that's just a bigger picture on redesigning the streets and and just speaking about how do we as a community allow the residents to feel safe and comfortable and benefit for all businesses. Yeah. Thank you, Misty. I want to get to uh, some callers here at the end of our segment. Nicholas from San Jose, welcome to the show. Hey, howdy. Can you hear me? Yep, sure can. Go ahead. Okay, so I live in San Jose, but I work in Palo Alto. Um, I commute in on the train, and at the beginning of all this, ridership went to, you know, 10% or whatever. I don't yeah. have those statistics, but there was no one on the train. And I assume those are the people that use the restaurants every day. Um, and in front of the store that I work at, you can park on university. I, live, I work on the very closest part to mm-hmm. the university, and I would say less than 1% of the people that park in front of our store, come into our store. <laughs> so if businesses are upset about that, not having that quick 
like if you are relying on a customer being able to park in front of your store, they're going to buy those things on Amazon. Like you can't like that convenience can't be fought at this point. So you think this, so, that the changes have made the street better, though, in general? Absolutely. Yeah. The a university is a community now. And it will just like a, a previous caller said, it will just become a thoroughfare to 101 again. Yeah. And that's disappointing. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Rob in Palo Alto. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hi. Good morning. We've just got, a, we've just got like a minute here. So I just wanted to get your perspective in quickly, which I think is quite interesting. Okay. So I think be opening the streets to cars and traffic. I'm really worried about our retail businesses, and I think that it does uh, present. I'm a restaurateur here in town, and it does present an unfair advantage to the restaurants that aren't on University Avenue. Um, I think that if you want to keep it keep it closed, then why don't we do a program where they take the rent that the restaurants pay, divide it by their occupancy, and charge those restaurants that much money to, to put chairs on the street. And then you can take that money. Some of it can go to the city. Some of it can be used for grants to help the retailers and restaurants who are struggling because of that and level the playing field and make it fair for everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Last comment from Alex. I find that only affluent, better social economic neighborhoods have kept their street closures intact. I find it as a way to keep people out of certain neighborhoods. It's causing more of a divide in a time when we need more unity. Sorry, bad idea. It should be fair across the board, but it's not. Open the streets back up. We've been talking about the big debate over reopening streets closed to car traffic during the pandemic with Tom Dubois, mayor of Palo Alto, Benjamin Grant, an urban design consultant, Vibu Norby, founder and CEO of Beta, retail chain here in the Bay, and Misty Bolton, owner and CEO of Orange Hummus. Thanks to all of you for your calls and comments. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.